And here comes Milwaukee. Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all to another installment of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I am your gracious host with the most, as always, LJ Cascon. Harry put me in a cryo chamber the last two weeks. That's why I wasn't here. It's not because I was moving. It's not because life got in the way. Harry locked me up like uh, they did to Walt Disney. So... I want to say thank you to Harry, first and foremost, for hosting one of the weeks. And then a special thank you goes out to Ant for all that he did with Tobin. Phenomenal, phenomenal job to everybody. But I am back, and I am here with the aforementioned Hot Take Harrison. Thank you, Harry, for joining us yet again. And then we're joined by yet another incredible guest because we've been on an absolute burner. You've seen him on the sidelines of the Heat games. He punishes himself by talking about the Florida Marlins. Shout out to the hat. I know it's Miami Marlins. I, I have my own narrative that I'm going to push, and it'll come back eventually. But you've also heard him on the Swings and Mishes podcast, and he's been popping into the Levitard show now, too. It's Jeremy Taché. Jeremy, how you doing, my man? I am wonderful. It's great to be here with you guys. Super excited to be joining this podcast with such a great name. I mean, truly such a great name. So thanks, thank you guys for having me, and, and excited to join a list of uh, a bunch of great guests in a row. So excited to get started. Absolutely. Let's just dive right into it. UD day yesterday. I know we had a stream for a post game and all that stuff. I want to reiterate some of the things that went on there just off the rip. I mean, Udonis, his career high was 28. For those who don't know, his career high of all time is 28. He's only scored 24 or more five times in his whole career. One of those was yesterday against, I guess, the rivaled Orlando Magic. I'm not sure. But 24 points in his send-off. It's not the triple dub from Dwayne Wade, but it doesn't have to be. It was an absolutely immaculate game from Udonis in his own right. He drew a charge. Who is, I'm not sure. I, I saw a stat. I'm not sure if he's the, the number one most drawn charges in Miami Heat history. I think he is. He added another one to his belt last night. Just, Jeremy, on a scale of 1 to 10, just from the whole game, his career, how, how many goosebumps did you get? Just scale of 1 to 10, what, what, what was the goose, goosebumps looking like? 11. Uh, it was, it was special, man. Like I know, you know, everybody's had all their conversations for the last, what, five, six years about Udonis Haslam's value on the Heat roster. I have always been somebody that has preached he has massive value and I've only grown to know that more the more I've gotten to speak with the actual players on the team who, who constantly are reiterating the importance that he has in their locker room. You know, the difference between actually being a coach and being you know involved in management and then being able to get that message across when you're a player which is different it is a different thing when you're there on the roster and you know to to see him have his moment and he talked about it after the game like you know everybody gives me crap for you know the amount that I get to actually play but you know he is working with these guys on the practice floor you know playing against them defending them playing off at you know doing all the little things um and and helping to teach this team and so you know for a guy who for so many years now people have questioned whether or not he's really worthy of being on an NBA roster you know he's proved it over and over with his leadership skills he's proved it over and over with with the way that he communicates with his team but it's another thing to get to go out on the floor and actually play really well like he played he played really well and it look it, was it the intensity of a playoff game was it the intensity of two teams that actually needed to win that game to get to the playoffs no it wasn't that level of intense game but we don't talk about that when we talk about Dwayne Wade's triple double we don't talk about that when we talk about Kobe's 60 and for Udonis Haslam a guy who you just mentioned all the stats to drop 24 to hit three threes he'd never done that in a season he'd never done that in a season to do it in one game I mean it was so special and to see Dwayne Wade there wearing his jersey to watch Will Manso's interview, which was honestly, I mean, he crushed it. Like, Will crushed that interview with Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, the hugs afterward, every single second of that seemingly could not have gone better. And I couldn't be happier for Udonis Haslam, who is represented as Mr. 305, as the king of Miami, as whatever you want to call him. He has been that representation. And to see him actually get his moment, not just have... You know, and look, I was nervous, man. I thought the season might come down to the final day and he might not get to have this. It might just be, hey, he starts at center, you know, does the tip, they call a timeout, and he gets to walk off the floor. So the idea that he got to have his Dwayne Wade moment in the final season, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And I think it's a really good 
vibe and there's value to that going into the playing game. Like I, I do think that there's some synchronicity in that 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 brings up the morale of this team headed into the play-in as well. And you touched on it too. Twenty-four you don- for Udonis is sixty for Kobe. Yeah, it is. Like, it, is. it is. Yeah. For him to have that kind of output, and he even got a lob from uh, Harry's favorite player too. I won't say his name. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Phenomenal lob too. I mean, let's give the dude some kudos. Best fast man. break of the season. Best fa- fast fast break best of the season executed. was Duncan Robinson and Udonis Haslam. And it was quite apropos that it would come in a game where Victor completely botched like five or six fast break opportunities too. So it was like to see, I don't want to like, I don't mean for him to catch a stray cause I love Vic, but like it was very, very apropos for Duncan Robinson to execute such a gorgeous. I mean, all, Caleb Martin pick and steal, chuck it out to UD. UD throws to Duncan, Duncan lobs back to him. And it was just to see UD still have some hops too. It was like, Everything that we've said, I know on this network specifically, he has caught flack, especially from Harry too, about him taking up a roster spot. What's the true value in it? It really did, in my personal opinion, just make up from all of that. Because it it was honestly, my sans like, I, mean, I guess the Jimmy Butler block on Booker, that was a great moment. Them winning in Boston. We'll get to Boston later too. Both games, of uh, uh, splitting the season with Boston was very, very like energetic for this season. But there weren't many other moments like that. You're right. So, so for that to come in, the final game, you need to get his flowers and have a moment like that. It really did. It was it was the crescendo for me for this season that was really lackluster in terms of like entertainment value, in my opinion, and just like competitiveness. It wasn't a great year, but to cap it off like that going into the play, and I think you touched on it too, the momentum, it can re- can't really be understated. And I guess we'll see that on Tuesday, but for now, it, it was really, really awesome. Harry, how do you feel about Udonis? I know, like we said, you know, about the roster spot, but did, did, you, did you get some – some return value, return on investment, so to speak, after yesterday. Yeah, I thought the ROI was pretty good to end uh, to end his career. I thought, obviously, for a guy who's really been, and we talked about it a little bit on the stream after the game. Like uh, Udonis is Miami. He's one, you know, he won high school championships in Miami. Uh, he won three championships with the Heat. He's been in the organization for the longest time now. In his twentieth season, um, and to the Gator, by the way, chomp chomp. I had to yeah, not that. not my nice. not my favorite, but my wife would appreciate the Gator shout out. So, um, yeah, I mean, they uh, it was a really cool cap on his career. Uh, you know, we talked about Kobe sixty in his final game. If Udonis had fifty shots, he would have had seventy yesterday. Like he was just he was on, um, and. He played well. Like it wasn't, he wasn't like chucking up shots. He was taking within the flow of the offense. Um, the last time Udonis has him led the heat in scoring was November 14th of 2009. It's so amazing. it's been, it's been 14 years. I also think it was cool. Before you talked LeBron. about, yeah. And you talked about Dwayne Wade's um, triple double going out. That was in Brooklyn. So this game being at home uh, was cool for the fans. I think kind of what Jeremy was talking about is you didn't know if the season would come down to this game and if they needed the win over the magic, um, and maybe you wouldn't have seen as much Haslam. So the fact that they, it's not great that they're locked into the play on, but the fact that they were here and they were able to really, um, appreciate him, give him a game. His whole family was there, which was really cool. And I also think the juxtaposition of Bam jokingly bringing out a rocking chair for him and then him going out there and playing well against guys that are half his age or younger, um, was a cool way for him to cap off his career. I don't think we'll see much more. Um, of Udonis Haslam in, in any future games coming up. But, um, you know, kudos to him. It's the, you know, the team was really into it. Obviously, I I wish someone else would have thrown him the lob, but you can't really. Duncan threw a perfect lob. Um, Duncan th- I even joked on Twitter that I thought he had justified his contract simply with that lob because anytime we've lobbed it to Haslam in the last five years, it's been dicey. And Jess, you you were worried about his health going up for it. So the fact that it was just in the right spot, he could go up for it. Uh, And really, I mean, he jumped right into that dunk. Very impressive. I think the other thing I kind of mentioned yesterday is, and not just like, I've been tough on the roster spot because I didn't always understand. Like, I thought there were better ways to use the roster spot but my thoughts are why isn't he playing more why why did we waste time with deadman this season yeah it turns um, out he was the uh perfect stretch four next to bam all along yeah he was I one mean, of the best three-point shooters on the team this season <laughs> don't look at the context just look at the numbers numbers don't lie it's funny spo, spo was joking about it after the game but i mean come on man he was taking those threes with confidence they all look good he made he was three of seven 
Um, that's better than the other guy that gave him the lob. I won't talk about him again. And um, so he was just looking pretty good out there. And I was kind of thinking like, he didn't have five minutes in him every night. He didn't have 10 minutes in him because th- those, those Deadman minutes were bad. Like, look, remember, I know that they did it though. He did play a little bit. If you remember, there was a stretch in the middle of the season and it was mostly because of injuries, but like he was giving them five to eight minutes for like a week or two there. And they weren't, they weren't super productive minutes, but they were never minutes that cost the team the game. So, like, no, look, is Udonis Haslam, at, was he at a point where he could have played 65 games and done it, you know, five to eight minutes a night? I don't know. He clearly saved every, you know, every bunny that he had for that alley-oop. But on the same token, like, it did prove, like, like you're saying, Harry, like, it absolutely proved why these guys still have so much respect. Like, the stuff that we don't get to see are these battles. He and Jimmy play one-on-one, like, every practice. Nearly every shoot-around. Like, and that's not just because. Like, Jimmy wouldn't be wasting his time if he didn't find value in that. Um, and you you see it. Like, the little bit of access that we do get to practice, you see the way that UD is with these guys, the type of competitor that he is and remains, and, like, the way that, that he can bring this out of those guys. And when you still have enough skill... like. I remember uh, I asked Gabe about it before the season. You could do the Levitard look at me Louie thing if you want. But the I asked Gabe about it before the season. And everything that he had to say was like, look, this dude could still ball. Like if we were asking him to, he could still be out there. Like this is not where everybody's like, oh, what about his leadership? He's like, he makes us better in practice because he's a good competitor who's good at basketball. Like it's it's just one of those things where it's like, there's only so much that we can see when a guy's not actually on the floor playing in games consistently. And it's just so cool that for the people who were doubting it, that, you know, there could be a, a proof in the pudding of like, Hey, look, this guy can still do what they ask of him. Um, no, he wasn't going to be someone who was contributing every single day as a backup. And yes, they needed to, you know, have some other guys on the roster, but what a special moment, man. And yeah, circling all the way back to like, it did work out perfectly that they were in the playing game. No different than it worked out perfectly that the Heat were eliminated when Dwayne Wade had his final game in Brooklyn and the game against the Sixers at home the, you know, the night before. It's same sort of deal. Like These guys didn't play in a ton of non-competitive games in their entire careers. Like It's sort of like the Jeter thing where Derek Jeter played one game his entire career where the Yankees were eliminated from the postseason and it was his final game when he got to have the moment in the Yankee Stadium. It's not like Udonis Haslam and Dwayne Wade played in a ton of non-competitive games to and you know their seasons and for it to work out so storybook for both of them at the end of their careers it's just it it's perfect like it it couldn't have been better and i think this needs to be a very smooth transition into his post career where they just need to give him whatever he wants for ownership um let him be the whatever face he wants we need a former player who smiles i can't look at zoe just being angry all the time they they cut to him everyone was like clapping when they pulled uh ud out at the very end like right even riley was smiling like everyone's having a good time and zoe's like he's clapping but there's just no emotion it's just like bro you can drop the act no one cares like this is a good time to celebrate and so not that not that UD is the most smiley guy, but I think in his postseason career, he'll kind of be more of an ambassador for Miami and just like get Wade back here. I don't care how they do that. I don't know if they have to go talk to the jazz owner and they need to have some kind of powwow or buy him out of his owners. I don't know. They need to do something because that was great yesterday. Wade on the sideline with his family, with his wife, with his kid um, wearing the UD Jersey, uh, you know, cheering on every shot, cheering on every three. We need him back here. The fact is in Utah is so stupid. And I don't know who come through Udonis. That's yeah. Wade's path back is once Udonis gets his, then Wade will be recruited. Yeah. And I'm not sure if, you know, who knows what's, what was going on there. If Wade kind of wanted his own thing, I know he's friendly with the, you know, the, his co-owner with the jazz. So obviously there's other factors at play that we obviously don't know about, but just get him back here, man. Like those are our two best, at least, I mean, I'm 35. Those are the two guys that represent Miami the most. Those are the guys you think about when you think about the success of this franchise and obviously the three championships. I mean, obviously LeBron plays a big factor in that. So does Bosch. So do the other guys um, that were part of these teams. But those are the two guys. Those are the cornerstones of the franchise. Retire his number next year. Win that frigging game. I've been at so many retirement games where they don't win. Win that game. Stop. 
Like I don't know how I don't know if they have to do it before because every time they do the long halftime, they loot, win the game, and yeah, let's just do that. But yesterday was a cool moment. Um, I haven't like sat down and really wanted to watch Heat basketball this year, um, unless I knew I was going to be on a stream or something. So that was a cool moment to sit down um, and do that and really kind of appreciate UD yesterday. You didn't want to watch Heat basketball when you knew Jeremy Taché would be on the sideline. Thanks for yeah, Harry, nothing. What the hell, dude? Um, I made sure I retweeted every time you said something cool or I saw your face or you were in the winner's circle because you and were always that, in the winner's circle. It is circle. appreciated. Yeah, I will you're say, always, pretty good percentage there. Because you're always in the winner's circle. I hope you've spoken to the Heat about being there at the next few games. Um, Literally so. want you to know I am trying to weasel my way into everything. I'm trying to. Perfect. I can't. I can't be there for uh, for these. Like, because obviously the playing games are nationally broadcast. But I'm 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 doing my best to weasel my way into the broadcast as much as possible locally. I think we'll be supporting you every step of the way as well. Anytime you're on there, it will be retweeted. Our followers will see it. <laughs> it's appreciated, of course. So before we move on to a little preview of the the first, hopefully last playing game for the Heat. Just want to go quick round robin. There is a right answer to this, by the way. Better UD, braided or unbraided? I mean, braided. That's the correct answer. But that Harry. that's also the specific. The specific is the blood dripping down the eye with the braids. That's what it is. It's That's the visual that immediately pops into my mind. And so in turn, but like, for what it's worth, my man looks cool no matter what he does. Like, it's also amazing. He's never stepped that far out with his fashion, yet on the same token, you can look back and he's had some really, really, really cool fits along the years that, like, no, he wasn't Wade or LeBron, like, pushing the envelope that much. But my guy has some pretty great style. He really is. He's just walking Miami. Walking Dade County is basically just what he is, which is what he embodies anyway, so it works. So, okay. Let's, let's now look at the the play-in game because it's the first play-in game, hopefully last play-in game in Miami Heat history. Who knows? I do know that it's the first one, so we'll get to it. The significance of this game against the Hawks really can't be understated for a multitude of reasons, mainly that if you win this, you do get a more favorable, quote-unquote favorable matchup against the Celtics with Jalen Brown being injured, and that is a significant thing that not enough people are talking about. I want Crazy that, that that's not talked about a lot. Crazy. It's when he wasn't turning the ball over every 30 seconds last year against the Heat in the playoffs, because Vic had that dude in a chokehold. I, I like Jalen Brown, too. But for whatever reason, he just forgot how to dribble. But he was still making shots, and he made shots against yeah, us in the regular was. season this year, too. But with that being said, it's on his shooting hand. A, a huge slit on his shooting hand. And it happened when, if, when, when the Celtics playoffs start. It'll have been like a little over one week. I've experienced slits from glass. That stuff is not gone in seven days. It is not gone in 14 days. He is going to be playing through that. They'll have him juiced up, obviously, but he won't be feeling pain, but it will be affecting because there's a lot he does with his hand that he won't be able to do, and that puts a lot more pressure on Tatum. And th that you you want that because... Don't forget defensively, by the way. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. Sticking your hand into you know lanes to try to pick guys' pockets and stuff like that. Like It matters defensively as well as a guy who is the, their, arguably their best lockdown defender. He, he absolutely is because Marcus Smart's not it. I will throw flack at Marcus Smart at every chance I get. I hated him in college. I hated him as soon as he got drafted. I, just, I don't like the guy. I don't, I just don't like him. But with that being said, the alternative is if you botch this game against the Hawks, who you were three and one against on the season, the only loss came on MLK day where the Hawks just shot the lights out from three. Like it was an aberration. Like it, it, it it's not something that they do. So that happened to you in Atlanta. Thankfully this game's in Miami. If you somehow botch this, you are staring down the barrel at, again, home, but that doesn't matter because it's against Toronto or it's against Chicago. Two teams that Miami has won a combined one game against, and that one game came within like the first three or four of the season against Toronto. They have not beaten either of these teams in months. And then let's just say that they do that, that they do beat either Toronto or Chicago. Then you've already gone out and you, you've talked to the corner and you've gotten your casket. You picked out your pallbearers because you are losing to the Bucks. In my opinion, the best team in the NBA. Jeremy, I, I want your opinion here. What, what are you looking for in this play-in game? How significant really is this? Because if you lose this, your season, you might as well start looking. You, you might as well send your scouts and just start scouting people for the draft. 
Look, I think the reality is, is you're in this playing game. You're the underdog no matter who you face if you get out of the playing round, right? Like, even with even with Jalen Brown a little banged up, the Celtics, while struggling, and, and look, I, I can poke a bunch of different holes and tell you why I think the Heat can beat them um, in a way that I don't think that they should feel as confident about against Milwaukee, um, no matter what, no matter what happens in this first game, you're going up against it. So that that's kind of a place to start is because of what your season was, you have put yourself in a position where not only do you have to win a game to get in, and if you'll notice in most of the Heat's marketing, they're like the only team of all of these, all eight teams that ref- doesn't say playoffs anywhere. It's all play-in because they don't look at this as the playoffs. They look at making the playoffs as the playoffs, and I think that that shows the type of organization that they run as opposed to you know LeBron crowning himself after making it into the play-in game. Um, that's the Lakers. This is the Miami Heat. Uh, that being said, you know, this game does matter, right? Because the Heat have had their way with the Hawks, um, this season. I, not to make it about me again, but was on the sideline for back-to-back games at the beginning of March where they beat the Hawks twice. Um, I was, I was there for both of those games and it was obvious that the Heat know how to put this team and Trey Young in particular into a chokehold. He cannot operate. Uh, against the Miami Heat in the ways that he would like to. Has he had moments? Absolutely. Um, Even in the midst of eight or nine straight games here where he is far less than his average self against Miami, he's had his pockets. And sometimes that's all you need in a one-game sample to be able to ultimately win the game. And so that is something that, you know, the Heat could be worried about. Could Trey Young get hot? Could he be using all of this as motivation? Whatever. That being said, I can't think of a team, you know, when I look at the play in, like, I'm so glad it was the Hawks that ended up as the eight seed. Um, not to give them any sort of bulletin board material. Not that they're going to see me on this podcast. You know, Trey Young's really going to, I'm sure, an avid listener. Um, but on the, on the same token, like, this was the matchup that the Heat would want. Because if they win this game on Tuesday, they have until Saturday, right? Jimmy Butler has not played in the last couple of games. Bam barely played in this one, had a day off. If this team, if this Miami Heat team can be truly at full strength going into the postseason with a little bit of rest, with a positive morale, with a, hey, look, this season sucked, but here we are. I I do believe that it's possible. We've seen in the last few months and really the last month and a half moments from this team where they have looked like the team everybody anticipated where they have looked a little bit like the team from last year that moves the ball well that shoots the three well that plays great defense has that been consistent absolutely not do I expect them to be able to do it and win a seven game series against Boston or Milwaukee it would be unfair to say I expect that to happen that being said if they beat Atlanta on Tuesday you can start to convince yourself of the reasons why where if they drop that game, and now they have to play on Friday against another tough opponent, two teams that have matched up well with them, and then come back and play again on Sunday, two games this week, another team in Milwaukee that's fully rested, it is harder to convince yourself. And so this is a huge game on Tuesday. I mean, one way or another, it's a huge game for them um, to be able to to start going the path that they want, right? Because we know if they get if they can get past Boston, and then they got Philly, with momentum, playing well, that's a whole other conversation. You could convince yourself, hey, here comes an Eastern Conference Finals run again. So, um, you know, is that the expectation if you're looking at it objectively? No. If you're looking at it objectively, it's a win against Atlanta, and it's it's taking Boston five, six, seven games tough and making Boston all banged up going into their next round. Um, but there, there's reasons to be optimistic if you can find your way through this first matchup. And I hate that you said that because you're completely right. And it's the homerism in me too. Like I try to look at everything, especially this season from a very, very analytical standpoint of they're not good. They're the worst offense in basketball. It, it, it re- they really, really are. But their defense, which has been lackluster of late, is kind of, you know. Oh, all you, these you, things, yeah, all, the, all these things that, that, that we're sort of worried about with the Heat, like the three-point shooting, the defense, the – They've all been better over the last month, month and a half in comparison to the full season sample. And it's not to say that 
a full season sample doesn't matter. The full season sample is what we looked at going into last postseason, right? But realistically, all you needed to look at was what does the sample look like when Max Struess has a ton of minutes? Because that was what you were getting going into the postseason. And so I think sometimes, particularly with the NBA, in the way that it sort of evened itself out now, like it used to be like, you know, two or three teams at the top and it was those teams consistently and teams, you know, had their cores and they stayed together. Like right now there is seemingly over the last few years, a little more parity than there's been in years past because there's so many superstars who, who can win. And right now, Jimmy Butler is one of those dudes. Like Jimmy Butler is right now one of the five best players in basketball in the way he's been playing. Like straight up. Like he just has been one of the five best basketball players in in the game since the All-Star break, if not all season long. And to have one of those guys on your team and to make his number two Bam Adebayo and to have a healthy Tyler Hero, it matters. Like it does matter going into this postseason. That's the big thing, right? Bam and Tyler. Like you said, that's what it comes down to. You know you're getting Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. You know you are getting, minus the Bryn Forbes allegations and the Milwaukee Bucks two years ago, we don't talk about it. We block it out of our minds. Two out of the last three playoffs, he has been top two best players in the NBA. Correct. He, he really has been. So it's like, if you can just give him some kind of help, you know you're getting just a meticulously locked in, not stupidly locked in, but a locked in Jimmy Butler on the defensive end. He's going to be picking off passes. You know what you're getting from him. So it, it is a monumental postseason, not just for Bamba, for Tyler too, because minus the bubble run, Tyler hasn't been great in the playoffs. And I he has say, a monkey on his back. Yeah, I would say also with Tyler, like last year he was truly hurt going into the playoffs. Like he was, and and that Boston series, he literally couldn't perform. Um, and in a lot of ways, that seemed like the difference. I know Boston had their injuries as well. Robert Williams is the perfect example. But like, having a healthy Tyler Hero last year would have made a gigantic difference. Tyler Hero is a, a a really, really, really good basketball player and one who was particularly good in the final moments of the game when you need a shot to get off, um, especially when all attention is being paid to Jimmy Butler. And, and, and the thing that I mentioned again when we talk about winning this game on Tuesday and giving your guys a break, you know, people, people rag on Bam for his playoff performances. Um, and to me... I have never found those to be, and look, the one year when Milwaukee basically dared him to shoot and he wouldn't do it, obviously, that was a learning moment and and he's learned from that. But the thing that I would say about Bam and oftentimes his playoff performances is just, this is a guy whose motor is at 100%, 100% of the time. Um, He does not load manage. Um, He does not take games off. He plays through injuries. Um, And that's not to say, like, it's at this point of his career where he's doing that, right? Jimmy Butler was that same guy at that point of his career, and now later in his career, he's handling that differently. So that is not a criticism of Jimmy. If anything, Jimmy has sort of mastered how to get himself ready to be physically prepared for the postseason. Bam works his ass off every single night. And he would never say it, but to me... These last 10 games or so, he's just looked like out of steam from essentially carrying this team for the majority of the season because there were nights where Jimmy, on the floor or off the floor, wasn't as aggressive as he normally is. And Bam was the guy who needed to step up against the Atlanta Hawks and drop 30 and 10 in a huge game, right? Or 25 and 12 in a huge game. So the idea that now... You're getting that guy a week and a half all but for one game, a week and a half of rest here is a really big deal that he could potentially feel a little bit closer to himself going into this series where you will need him to be the aggressive guy that can go get you 20 and 10. You don't need the, you know, 16 and 7 from Bam. You really do. You hate to do the counting stats with a guy like that, especially considering all he's going to have to do on the defensive end. But if you're going to win this series, say they get there, if you're going to win a series against Boston, Bam's probably going to average something close to 20 and 10. He'll have to, but you also brought up a good good point, Harry. I want you to come in here in a second as well, but uh, Tyler gets a lot of heat on this network too, but, and some of it is deserved. Some of it is, I think, you know, it is what it is, but people don't want to admit that during that Boston series, when Tyler was playing, he hit some big time shots like really big time alleviating shots that you needed to stop a Boston run, to stop a Miami drought. Goron during the bubble run was that guy to do that. When things were starting to get a little iffy, Goron would hit a big time shot. 
it, just, it, it sometimes they weren't great shots, but he'd hit them. Tyler, the same exact thing. That's what Tyler was last year. He wouldn't be great at all times. Tyler this year has kind of proven to do. I don't want to feed into the the joke of the nickname, but he is he has been Mister Fourth Quarter a little bit. He yes. does pop off in the fourth, and he was doing that against Boston last year too. He wasn't great for the first three, but he would hit a big time shot to alleviate a run, and that's kind of what you need from a little bit more just on a, a grander size here. But Harry, what it's about you? Line. How are you feeling? Oh, Jeremy, you can get back in if you want. No, it was just one line before we get to Harry, which is just simply. Tyler Hero is overwhelmingly confident. He is a man who operates with maybe an overabundance of confidence, and that's what's made him so spectacular as a player. Like, that guy is spectacular at basketball. Like, you know, like in the grand scheme of the world, he is a spectacular basketball player. And that's in large part because he carries himself with the confidence of, if I've missed 10 shots, I will still take the 11th. The Heat don't have a ton of guys who naturally have that type of confidence. He is one of them. Jimmy Butler is one of them, right? And while Jimmy Butler has become an outstanding shot maker, there's an argument to be made that Tyler is still the best, like, hey, go get a bucket guy on the team. And when you don't have that in a postseason series, it makes a huge difference. And so to have him at full strength and with the confidence of what this last year has been and with what his fourth quarter performances have been, that's going to be beneficial to this team going into the postseason. Like they are not the same team they were going into last year's postseason. In a lot of a lot of ways, they are worse. On the same token, Bam Adebayo is a better player. Jimmy Butler arguably is a better player, and Tyler Hero is certainly a better player than he was headed into last postseason. And I was just going to say, I saw a stat today that uh, I think Hero had the most uh, free throw attempts without a miss in the fourth quarter this year. He was 42 for 42. And I think the next highest guy without a miss was like 10 for 10. It's crazy. So definitely, I mean, listen, if you if it's coming down to a last shot, I'm very good with Hero taking it. Any technical free throw, he should be taking it. He needs to rip the ball away from Jimmy. I don't care. Um, you need those points. You're going to need him. Let him take him. He's the best free throw shooter on the team. In terms of this team this year coming in, the plan to me is very simple. Win the game, because if you do not win the game, I don't see any real reason to go into a series with Milwaukee. I know that's very negative, um, but at that point, I'll take the draft pick because this is your chance. You're playing a team that you dominate, a player that people think is a great player who the Heat have made look like absolute dog shit. Um, last year in the postseason, I have never seen a star player get that rattled, that frazzled by another team. Everything they did threw him off. All he could do is take long shots, and maybe he made one out of four. He couldn't do anything. They've had his number for a long time. No offense to Trey Young. He's a very good basketball player. I am not worried about him in a game. I'm much more worried about like a, a Murray um, or a Hunter or those guys that have um, – that just, to me, are better guys in a postseason series or a one-and-done kind of game. The other thing I want to talk about the Heat, and I think it's just, if we want to be a little positive, is the rotation, to me, has been figured out. Not to be the look-at-me Louie thing either, but I thought Struess and Hero were going to start from the beginning of the season. That was my prediction on the starting lineup. So not that it made sense in terms of um, height differential or anything, but having those shooters around um, Jimmy and Bam made the most sense to me. You have to provide them space to excel and play well together. And even though Max hasn't had a great shooting year, you need that threat. So I like that better. Caleb's been significantly better off the bench. He's um, Lowry's been good since he's come back off the bench as well. And Love has looked significantly better off the bench. I don't know if it was just like there's a lot of pressure on him to hit shots. Maybe Bam telling him to make some fucking shots on Instagram when he came to the team really got to him. But it clearly he, did, but he started, you know, he hit two threes yesterday and I was like, wow, Kevin love. Um, so, and you also love I, to see it. You, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he also and has I, way more gray hair than I thought. Yes. He's that very shocking. gray. Dude is gray. And, and, and I can say that gray. as a, I have a ton of gray hair. I can comment on other people's gray. There's a, a lot of gray. He's, ha- he's still a handsome guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, wrong, a good, looking, not, he's a good looking guy, but not just not just good looking. That dude is so handsome. It, it hits you when you're near him in person. I met him for the first time the other day, right before interviewing him, and I I like gave him a handshake and looked him in the face, and I was like, "Oh my god, look at you!" Like I was just it. I will say, the Heat, most handsome team in the NBA, 
Once you hey, add Kevin, Kevin Love, they're a good-looking team. We can just say it. Good-looking team. You need a silver fox on your team sometimes for that experience and just that cachet. So it's like, hey, they, they got that at the buyout market. So yeah, and I just I think I think having the having the bench figured out is going to work for them. Um, I'm very confident in this game tomorrow because if they don't win, I have to completely flip and be. Um, I there was a there's an account that I don't really like on Twitter. It's like the Heat uh, the Hawks TV fan account. Uh, and he was like, man, Kyle Lowry, he's so cheap. He's going to do something to us. And I was like, if you think we need cheap shots to beat you, you got another thing coming, man. We don't, we don't need any cheap shots. I mean, Lowry's going to flop regardless of whether we tell him to or not, but we don't need that. Uh, we're, we're going to win regardless. And I, I don't know. I mean, like you guys have been saying, um, we match up a bit better against the Celtics. The heat would obviously want the revenge factor. You got the Jalen Brown injury. Uh, I'm still worried about that team in, in crunch time. They still have not looked significantly that great. Uh, I would not, I'm not calling an upset. I'm not crazy. I think they'd still beat us, but again, the Boston is not a place that probably scares the heat anymore. It used to be a really daunting place to play. Um, we've had Jimmy go in there in a game six and just like take all of their lunch money. And it obviously didn't lead to the finals, but that's one of the biggest games in heat history. I don't think they're afraid to play in Boston. Max has had some really good games in Boston. I don't know if that has to do with, um, that he's white, but I think it's no, not that he's white. I, apologize. <laughs> I, I answered white. too quick. No, I answered too quick. I wasn't going to say, cause he's white. I was going to say it's because they cut him. Uh, oh, he oh, loves oh. <laughs> to play against Boston. He loves to play against Boston. He loves okay. it. No, I will say, like, you're right. That is where you are spot on. And I'll tell you this, like, Boston Celtics fans do not want the heat. Like, they are worried. And I wouldn't be surprised if the ben, actual Celtics uh, are watching this game going, please let Atlanta win. Please. Bill, Bill Simmons has all of his Depends diapers lined up for every game he probably has multiple depends diapers because he's been talking about the heat zombies for weeks now him and mike sure there yeah mike sure is unironically like he's not no they're they're legitimately scared yeah he really and because he hates the heat like he he hates them so much and just like everything about it it there is nothing this season could end in the second round but if the heat pull off the upset against boston it will all have been worth it in my view like considering I, I agree with you completely, I, I would feel that way one thousand percent. Like if the Heat can constantly be the reason that this core doesn't make it work in Boston, I know they just went to the finals and it was by beating the Heat. So don't get me wrong, I know that you know they got there, but they didn't win. And I think there was an expectation for them coming into this season like, oh, it's championship or bust. And if the Heat could upset them in the first round and make them start to question the whole game plan going forward, oh my. Gosh, it would be awesome. It'd be awesome. Especially because, I mean, come on, Boston fans, get out of here. They're unbearable. And the fact that they all view Jimmy as Baba Yaga is absolutely incredible. The fact that you you have the boogeyman on your team and they, they he strikes absolute fear into their hearts. They're terrified just, of him. It, 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 is, it is something to behold. It truly is. But so what, what we're all saying is basically things are very, very simple for Miami. You beat the Hawks, you take them and Something else that's simple is uh, the primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated, much like Miami's path to the playoffs. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that James Pugh sent you at James Pugh, JPU at SimpleHealthAdvisors.com. Give them a little ring on the telly, 321-345-7738. Now, Jeremy, we move on to you. We've talked well about done. the heat. That it's time well to talk to you. <laughs> it's, it's time to talk to you now. Let's I have a, a very good question for you now. Are you ever intimidated? when you're on the sideline standing next to these absolute giants being just a, a phenomenal short King as yourself. Are you ever intimidated on the sidelines when you're staring up at Kevin loves just gorgeous jawline? Average King five foot nine. Get it right. No, I, um, no, 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 I'm kidding. I, I I'll take short King. I'd prefer short King to average King. Actually. We, we stand a short King. Uh, I would say, um, intimidated, you know, the, the first guy where I actually just was like, Oh my God, God, you're tall. It's Cody Zeller. I had to do an interview with Cody Zeller after the game the other day. He's wearing the mask, and he's literally a giant. And I was like, my goodness, I'm literally looking up to talk to you. But the rest, I mean, look, this is actually, like, this is a group of really nice guys. Um, Like, really, truly. Like, I've never felt anything but uh, comfortable with with all of them. 
you know, doing these post-game interviews, I think the majority of them realize this is my first year doing it. So they've tried to kind of like help me out. Like, I think they, they realize like, oh, we recognize this guy and he doesn't normally do this. So let's like not be a jerk to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, realistically in intimidated. No, um, definitely was nervous the first few times, though, especially like my very first game uh, working sideline this year. I woke up with no voice um randomly had essentially laryngitis and spent the entire day just chugging tea and you know lozenges and all of that stuff just trying to get ready for it but i mean realistically like i had never done this job like at all like i did i did one game uh of the orange bowl classic in 2021 that was the only time i ever had done a live game as a sideline reporter in my life so my second experience with it was game three of the Miami Heat season this year. Uh, and we just sort of thrown into the fire. And obviously, like, there were some nerves that came with that. But if anything, I would say, like, that was perfect because it just kind of, like, threw me right into it. And I had to either sink or swim. And, and I think it's gone okay. Um, so it's been really fun. Like, I, yeah, it's a blast. It really is sink or swim. And I do want to just touch before Harry gets his question in. I... I worked way back when I worked for the, the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets and I have met Zeller as well. And I'm Super also five, nine. So just the sheer, just differential, the di even the difference between him and bam, like it really is. It, he is a massive human being. It's crazy. Yeah. He did have hair when I met him way back when he first got drafted, but that's besides the point. He, Again, it's just still the, the differential is just, it, it's baffling because you don't really understand when you're watching it on TV you you can't really conceptualize you, can't, it. you think you can't head, get it like you, you they're can't. seven feet but then you're standing next to them and they're a whole ruler above you and you're like oh okay well i guess i wouldn't have made it in the league no matter how good i was back in high school harry what, what you got i'm also five nine by the way i lied on my license and said i'm five ten just it sounds better but i'm also i think five, i did the same thing actually yeah, I'm also I'm also five foot nine, so I'm glad we're all we're all eye to eye here. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say so. So Jeremy, obviously, you know, followed followed your career for a little bit, and um, you know, listened to Miami Miked Up, the podcast that you have uh, whenever uh, I am able to. I'm not commuting as much anymore, so I don't have as much time. But I try to, you know, you're, you're amazing, man. So I just wanted to ask you two questions. Do you ever, I mean, I'm sure you do, but do you ever have these like pinch me moments, like this crazy kind of thing? Like you were just talking about uh, heat sideline and then kind of who is either been like the best guest that you had on or someone that you're really looking forward to interviewing that you haven't had the chance to have on the podcast yet. And if I'm spoiling something, just don't talk about it. <laughs> no. So you're not spoiling anything. Um, first of all, yes. Pinch me moments happen like every day. Uh, I am like the last, the last couple of years have been truly insane. Um, and Harry, I know like we, you know, we're, we're, we're in a little group chat together and, you know, you guys have, have sort of seen me like freak out every step of the way as this has gone along. Um, it's been overwhelming what the last couple of years have been like. And so sometimes with, with how much has been going on lately in, in the last year or so, I kind of have to slow myself down to be able to let myself have those sort of pinch me moments. Um, I will tell you that very first night on the heat broadcast was certainly one of them. Um, for that matter, interviewing Jimmy, you know, in a winner's circle after, uh, he, I think he dropped 40, 10 and 10 against you. Uh, you nailed, you nailed the Hemi Butler. I remember yeah. that very well. Just Thanks. absolutely crushed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it was it, like that on its own was really crazy. Cause he doesn't really do that with us all that often. Um, no matter how well he plays. So it, that was a special moment. Um, getting to interview these guys for the first time when I had a Miami mic'd up session, you know, sitting down with, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler and Bam and Tyler and you know I think the the first one when Tyler sort of went viral um you know that was the the same conversation conversation uh and and I think like stopping and just sort of um reflecting on all of this stuff has been um a major key for me because I don't take any of it for granted like I know in more ways than one, I am incredibly privileged. 
Um, I was born into a family that has been not only financially but emotionally supportive since since I was a little kid. Um, they've encouraged me to do this from the beginning. My fiance encourages me all the time, no matter how much time it's taking to continue to, to do this and to work toward this craft and to put myself in positions where my career can advance and I can continue to have special moments like this. Um, I know that I'm lucky and that I've landed on the right desk at the right time a bunch of different times too. That's so much of what this industry is about. So like, because of that, I try to kind of stop and, and smell the flowers as corny as that is, because I know at any given moment, like it, I've been lucky. Like the, I, I just said this on an interview uh, recently where it's like the internet's been nice to me, which is so weird. Like that doesn't happen to people. The internet has been nice to me like overwhelmingly. And yeah, like there's jerks out there, whatever, but like, in an overwhelming capacity, that's been the case so far, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm really grateful for it. And so when these moments come about, you know, the first time that I got to actually just, like, be in the Levitard studio working for them, um, and that's turned into, like, a real job. Like, I work for the Dan Levitard show, and that's crazy to me because they're – that's my favorite show, and Dan is a, a idol of mine, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's – it's crazy. And I do have those pinch me moments all the time. Um, and because of my rambling, I'm forgetting your second question, which I believe was upcoming guests or favorite guests on Miami mic'd up. What I would say is, um, my, I don't have a, a quote unquote favorite guest. Um, because there really have been so many awesome like moments and guests and, you know, Izzy Gutierrez was graced me with his presence for the very first episode, which was incredibly kind. And I just love that man. Um, Friend of the and, basement. Izzy's a great yeah, guy. Izzy's the best. Like, he's just the best. Um, like, just a wonderful human. Um, but, but I mean, a whole bunch of other people that never should have come on my podcast just did. Sarah Spain and, and, you know, everybody from the Levitard world and Zach Harper. And like, I'm, I know now I'm just like name dropping, but like all these people who have been so nice. Um, the person who is still my like white whale eventually is Katie Nolan. I've been saying that since like the third episode of the podcast, like one day I would really love to get to talk to her. I've been trying to work with her for like years and years and years. I applied to work on, on always late with Katie Nolan back in the day. Um, like I've just, I've, I've always wanted to work with her and I find her to be one of the most fascinating people in this industry, just in the way that she is able to communicate about sports while also not talking about sports and, um, is legitimately hilarious. And I just like, I, I would love to have her on the show at some point. Um, also, Ian Carmel from from uh, he's on the Late Show with James Corden. He's a writer there, but also like he does his podcast, All Fantasy Everything, which is a favorite of mine. Um, you know, those are those are really the two that are like standing out as like someday I'd love to have them on. Nothing in the works as of yet, but those are some goals for 2023. Like if if we if we do this again in, in six months and I haven't gotten either of them on, I'll be disappointed. Well, also, I just want to say prolonged uh, congrats on the engagement, by the way. We're hey, thank all you. just a couple of uh, committed fellows right here, Harry. Hey, look at that! Glenn. Look at us. Toss look at us. Glenn. There it is. Uh, not, it's not there, but you know, someday it'll be. It'll, someday. it will be there. <laughs> Next time we have you on, it'll be there. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Next time you have me on. Next time you have me on. So here, before we wrap, I know we have to let you go here in a couple minutes. Thank you so much again for taking some time to come on and just have some fun with some random scrubs like us. Courtesy of Izzy, you name dropped Izzy. He was on. He gave us a, a phenomenal question that we use to all of our guests here. Who is the most famous person you've peed next to? I love Please that question. I love that question. Who is the most famous person I've peed next to? Oh, I hate to give you dead air here. I'm just trying to think. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll let it rock. It's okay. Yeah. Um. Doesn't even need to be if it was like a, an immediate pee I that mean, you shared a bathroom space with. I mean, is it Dan Lebetard? I hate. I hate to make it Dan Lebetard because is he is he the most famous? I, it's either him. I feel like I've there's got to be somebody in the heat world that it's happened recently, or there's like an entertainment person that I'm I'm missing. But I think I think Dan Levitard might be the most famous person I've peed next to. I think that has to be my answer. 
That absolutely plays because I mean, mine. I think mine's like Muggsy Bogues. I think. Oh, that's a really good one. I was working in Publix and I just there's went to the gotta, bathroom. I'm gonna be really mad. I'm gonna be really mad when I figure out later that there's somebody else. If there is, I'm gonna text you guys and you can just. I'll, I'll literally. I'll send you a voice memo and you can insert that name instead or insert that name right here. Yeah, mine would have been like Octavio Dotel. Oh, Octavio Dotel. Oh, okay. I I peed next to when I was like seven or eight years old. I peed near AJ Burnett. That was a huge deal. I also saw that he had nipple rings, and um, that was cool. He was walking around the clubhouse shirtless, uh, and I was very young, and I saw his giant Tommy John scar down his arm, and I was like, that could happen to me if I throw baseballs too much? That's crazy. Oh, man, it was nuts. That's a great imprint to leave on a very young, impressionable <laughs> child. I'm happy you saw those pierced nipples. Yeah, it was great. He was cool. A.J. Burnett. He was so nice. No, seriously, uh, let me say, like, despite all that, and I think he, I don't know what his reputation is uh, uh, around people. I don't know if he's known to be a nice guy, not a nice guy, whatever. But I was seven, eight years old, and, and my uncle had tickets, like, in, like, down the first baseline, like, right? And so we had to, like, walk literally through the clubhouse, which is bizarre. I don't know why they used to have you do that. But you'd walk, like, through where the clubhouse is to get to those seats. And, uh... AJ clearly was going through Tommy John rehab and me and my little cousin were walking through in like the sixth inning and bumped into shirtless AJ Burnett and didn't have a pen. And he waited like, I mean like 15 minutes. He waited a long time for one of our parents to go grab a pen and a baseball so that he could sign and just like chatted with us, like was so, so nice. And it, I mean, it left a huge imprint on me. I'm talking to you about it 15 years later, 20 years later. So, yeah, he was a cool guy. I, I have no idea anything else about A.J. Burnett, but that's the one experience I had with him. That's an awesome experience. I feel like everyone can kind of benefit from, from having, like, an early imprinting moment with an athlete that kind of shapes your whole interest in not just one sport, but sports as, as a whole. One more Marlins pitcher, Brad Penny, when I was five years old at a fan fest, had a catch with him, and he told me I had a hose, and it gave me confidence for the rest of my life. <laughs> it still sits with you today? It does. Absolutely. See, I mean, they've only made the playoffs three times in their history, but they still impact the the, the Florida community as a whole. We no matter what, even if they're just a joke currently. Not a joke. Four and six. Get it right. You're actually right. They did beat the Mets. Hate the Mets. Hate the Yankees. Hate the Mets. We beat the Yankees in the playoffs. We don't, you know, Come back on. back in the, in the good old days. But regardless, I would have loved to talk about baseball more, but we, we do have to let you go. Thank you so much again for coming on and spending some time. With the random scrubs like us, again, of course, absolutely. Well, again, we'll have you back on, Hope maybe after the season's over, and we'll kind of just do like a deep dive into the offseason and stuff. So thank you guys all for tuning in, enjoying another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Take care, and always remember, be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.